0: Welcome to the Mountain Podcast Home Study. For the next eight weeks, Pastors Tim and Samuel will be exploring an interactive home study on marriage and family. So gather your families as you listen to this week's study. Okay, welcome back to the Family uh, Home Study Podcast. Uh, And the design of this study uh, and time is for you at home with your wife or your kids, uh, in whatever format you want, it's all designed to help you grow as a family, uh, each of your roles and a relationship with God, which is foundational for all of us and all of the things we do. Uh, I have a special guest with me today that I'll pull into the discussion on the second half of this, Steve Beeson, and he is amazing, amazing man of God, uh, leader, amazing kids as well, uh, and so he'll be a great source of wisdom. Uh, and conversation for us on uh, this. And what I wanted to talk about today was the idea and the exercise of talking to Jesus. Um, and it's a family expression, but it's also a very personal and individual one. Um, and so when we're talking about uh, praying or talking to Jesus or fasting or any of these spiritual disciplines uh, that help us in our relationship with God, uh, we, we really got to, we can't Make an assumption that everybody knows exactly all the nuances, especially our kids growing up and stuff, or even as teenagers. There's different phases and places where partnering very intentionally with our family unit on uh, their talking to Jesus. And this is also not to make an assumption that your husband or wife is always comfortable talking to Jesus, but but uh, having conversation and studying together so that we can have great conversation in personal relationship with God. Uh, we can speak to Him. We can hear from Him. And so I wanted to share some scriptures uh, and then talk with Steve about what it really looks like pragmatically um, and in our emotions, our heart, and our mind on how to talk to Jesus and have a good relationship with Him in communication. So I wanted to start in Proverbs 2, 6 through 8. I've been drawn on, uh, on the uh, wisdom uh, books of the Bible uh, for this family study a lot. And in verse six, it says, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. And this actually, this scripture was what triggered for me, the very simple uh, question of, do our families have an understanding of what it looks like to talk to God? Because in this scripture, it says wisdom comes from his mouth and knowledge and understanding. So wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, things that we all desire in our life, uh, no matter what role we're playing in the family right now. Uh, And I've played three in my life. I've been a son. uh, I've been, I'm a son and I am a father and I'm a husband. So I have three family roles that I've engaged in. And I want wisdom, knowledge, and understanding from God for all of them. So the basic ability and understanding of how to actually hear God when he speaks is so important. So I think the first fact I want to say to every family uh, person and role is that God speaks to you. And this is important that you believe that and you hear that and understand that. It's very simple, but God does speak to you. Uh, You are not the special one in the sense that he doesn't speak to you. Uh, or he doesn't want to speak to you, there is nothing that you have done or could do that would stop God from speaking to you. Uh, and you can see that all throughout the word, even when uh, when Paul has his great vision, he ends up being blinded, and God shows up to him and speaks to him. He was murdering Christians at the time. That's pretty bad. So God speaks to us, and God wants to speak to us. It's his desire. He wants that. And so you can know there's no disqualifying thing you can do That would stop that. God is speaking to you. And it's important that you believe that and you know that in your heart. Um, And where God is located at in all of this. Sometimes I talk with my kids about, you know, where is God? Is, Is he inside of you? Is he all around? And of course we know he's omnipresent, but it's important that you know that God is near to you. And you can see that in Psalms 145, 18 through 19. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on Him in truth, He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him. He also hears their cry and saves them. And uh, at different moments and times, whether you be a kid or you be a a husband or a wife, um, or even a teenager, young adult, it's important to know that, that God is near to you. And when there is a desire in your heart to speak to God, to call upon God, do it and know and believe and understand that He's not distant. And when you look up to heaven to pray, that's actually really not necessary. He's not up or down or left or right necessarily. He's not far. He's not beyond the stratosphere of our sky up in the starry galaxy space. Uh, he's near to you. And when you think about the fact that God's actually in the room with you, that God's near to you and possibly even hugging you or whatever it may be that you're imagining, that's a more accurate uh Imagination and visualization of God than thinking that He's up there and you want Him to come down so He can help you out. <laughs> and so, thinking about and understanding that He is near to you is really helpful when it comes to talking to Jesus. So, one, He talks to you; two, He's near to you. And these things are important because you don't have to doubt that He cares or that He's near you. You don't have to doubt that He's speaking to you or will speak to you. But you can know and believe, which you can see in Mark eleven twenty four that belief is important. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. When talking to Jesus, because we can't really see him or we can't hear him with our physical ears, uh, typically, uh, these things are atypical. You don't really typically see him or hear him with your physical eyes and ears. Um, But so there's a faith ingredient that is required in this relationship and talking to Jesus that is unique to our relationship with Jesus. Steve is sitting right next to me, so I can see him. I'll be able to hear him um, both with my physical uh, senses, um, but with God, I, I can't do that the same way. Uh, but nonetheless, I can hear from Him uh, with my spiritual ears and see from Him with my spiritual eyes. And that takes a leap or a bridge of faith, of belief in God. Uh, and that leap of faith is that you've got to believe preceding your ability to receive some of those things in terms of communication and sight. And so uh, I want to encourage you, when you go to talk to Jesus, put your, put your greatest belief foot forward. Uh, you know, in the Bible it says, I believe, but help my unbelief. So you may only be able to conjure just an incy bitty witty witty-bitty-bitty little bit of faith. But whatever you can conjure or you can grasp in sense of belief and confidence in God, grasp it. Maybe it's somebody else giving you great input then uh, and and encouraging you that you can or that God has. And hearing their testimony or their witness of God's goodness and how he spoke to them, grab a hold of it. Allow it to spark faith and belief inside of you and leap into that conversation and relationship with God. I got two other scriptures that I want to jump into conversation. James 5.16 16 talks to us about how to deal with sin in our relationship and communication with God. And he says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Um, So I, I wanted to bring this up because sometimes we don't realize that sin or guilt that we have in our heart and life can actually cause us to separate ourselves from God and eliminate the conversation or eliminate the presence. You saw Adam and Eve did this when they became aware, they hid from God. So be aware that the best relationship exercise you can have with God is to not hide when you have sin or to hide your sin, but to bear it out before God. So this will help you talk to Jesus because you won't be bashful or you won't be trying to hide it. God sees it already. So so walk walk with confidence to the throne of grace so that you can receive mercy and grace. So don't try and hide those things. It's a natural default in us as humans. I think we tend to want to hide our mistakes uh, and hide those sinful things, but take courage and bring it before Jesus. Um, And the last thing I'll say is 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And there's sin, there's fear that can stop you or that can eliminate and doubt as well. That can be really challenging relationship dysfunctions that will really hurt uh, your ability to have successful conversations with Jesus. And I want to encourage you to take those things, give them to God, give him your sin, give him your anxieties uh, and give him your doubt so that you can have great conversation with God. Okay, cool. Well, now I want to jump into the discussion part with Steve. I want to lay some of those foundations in scripture uh, so we can discuss some things. Uh, and learn, because there's a really important part of all of this where we can learn through a static learning, but also hearing a conversation, it helps us learn in a different part of our brain. Uh, And so that's why we try and build these podcasts in these ways. So you can hear uh, a good foundational scripture rundown, but also uh, experiences, history, witnesses and testimonies and ideas on what this has looked like in practice and in family life. Uh, And so the first question I want to ask uh, to you, Steve, is, well, one, could you tell us about your family a little bit and then what it looked like for you fostering relationship with Jesus in your family?
1: Um, Well, I have two kids. I have a son who's 40 now. He's a cop, a detective with Metro. Yeah. Um, He has a wife and three sons of his own. Um, I have a 36-year-old daughter who is a personal trainer, uh recently married and uh, uh they're just kind of starting their life out together. She married a guy from the LA area. Yeah. And um uh so um I think through kind of their formative years, we were living outside of Denver in a Denver suburb. Yeah. And um even from the from the beginning, um we started praying over our kids when my wife was pregnant and we kind of developed the habit uh, early on of praying together every morning mm-hmm. together and not like 40 minutes of deep intercession. Um, generally Janine <laughs> would, would pray over me and over my day and um, over the, I'm sorry, I would pray over her, over her day and the kids. Mm-hmm. And then she'd pray over me and my day and then like pray for the president or something. And I'd say, well, I'm always a good company, you know? Yeah. So depending <laughs> on who the president was, uh, but uh <laughs> Um, we kind of developed that habit and, um, it was a lot of, a lot of the prayer every day was, was similar. And it was always very conversational with God. We, we learned pretty early on to not have really like flowery or religious prayers at all, but just conversational discussions with God. Just kind of tell him like, Hey, Jesus, not quite that yeah, but <laughs> hey uh, jesus <laughs> usually we pray to the father because he's he's the provider in the trinity and and just say uh father you know i lift my wife up to you yeah. and um and i try to find out what was really on her heart and then pray those things yeah so besides just listening to her i'd even ask her so what what's really on your heart what are you asking god for yeah not, i didn't always ask her that like at the time of prayer mm-hmm. like through the day yeah so i'd be storing it up have something to say the next day.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, you can always pray and, and say, you know, keep her safe through the day, keep the car running well, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, um, like, God, I know she's, she's really concerned about, uh, our daughter right now. And, uh, um, God just give her the desires of her heart, you know, clear up her sinuses, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And we always just try to make it very conversational. And, and not flowery because the uh, reality of the day is you usually need to get on with somebody needs to get to work. And, sure, but we yeah. got in the, in the habit of praying together um, every day like that. And I really think over the lifetime of our kids growing up, that it gives you a chance to even prophesy into their life. Like yeah. one day, all of a sudden, like, God, give my son this, you know, or, or whatever. And, um, uh, just together. And then, also in our own prayer times, apart from that, mm-hmm. you know, of course we pray for our kids, whatever God gave us and, yeah. and all that. So, um, cause
0: there really are, and you've already brought up a few different types of kind of communications and we can, I can see this even in my marriage or with kids or in community, sure. like there's different manners or approaches of communication. Not that the person changes in any of it. It's just different applications. It's you meet somebody for the first time. Hello. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Yeah. What's your name? You're I'm hanging out with my wife at at dinner and, mm-hmm. and it's different. We're reminiscing about memories or talking about our future plans. Sure. Uh the conversation is just a little bit more romantic and uh in, in those ways. And and so the different ways that I heard you bring up talking to God is trying to step away from that real religious Absolutely Father Gods and 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 almost like a like a courtroom kind of language, which I think is kind of what shaped a lot of early like kind of, well, older, old school King James version, Bows and D's and very formal language.
1: Well, you know, um, prior to probably the 1960s, uh, most people had a King James Bible. Yeah. So if you're praying the word, it's almost impossible for some of that to not be in there. Yeah. Um, but we've, we've, not that we've gotten away from King James, Bible, but we've gotten away. That's not the English that we speak now. No, it's not. <laughs> so uh, it's funny. You'll be praying with people and all of a sudden the King James language would be, it comes out. be you know, using words like propitiation, <laughs> and, uh, other stuff, you know, and Such a it's good like word. propitiation. You think about, it. oh yeah, I, I know what right. that means. And <laughs> anyway, um, or even how they quote scripture. But, um, you know, God is to be our most intimate partner in life. Mm-hmm. Most intimate. That's, I'm really convinced that's what he desires yeah. of us, even more so than our spouse or our loved ones. And that relationship is really developed one on one in our prayer closet. Yeah. And that's really where we learn to pray. And then it's learning from there how to pray with other people based on that intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the way it should be. So often, though, we've learned to pray from, Hearing other people pray, maybe very religiously, or they put on their King James preacher voice to pray or whatever it is, you know, and uh, not so much anymore. But uh, uh, I think when I was first kind of getting into following Jesus and stuff, you had people that that they kind of prayed to be heard, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, not by God, but by other people. And whenever we're praying with other people, obviously, we, we don't want to say something stupid but um a lot of times we're praying more for them to be impressed with us yeah. than just expressing our heart to god yeah and so it's kind of a personal <laughs> mission of mine to pray very unreligious prayers <laughs> and uh um even to to teach as unreligiously as possible because those uh religious things are almost like walls in fact i was just talking to some friends um, you know, the biggest thing in, in remodeling houses right now is open concept. Mm-hmm. People are buying old houses and they're like ripping all the walls out of them. Yep. And it seems like God's doing that in the kingdom yeah. right now with religious people. Yeah. He's going in, you know, when you have walls, uh, I can go in my room and do whatever I want. But when we have open concept, if you're in the kitchen and I'm in the living room and maybe the family rooms here and the dining rooms over here, we're all aware of what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And it seems like God's in the business of ripping down walls now. Yeah. Old religious walls that, that don't serve any function yeah. anymore.
0: It's funny because in 10 years, people are going to be building the walls but back walls in. Back
1: up. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that it'll be the same though, because. Yeah, I know for sure. <laughs> um, um, somebody was saying, you know, in the South, that's how they always built their buildings was with lots of rooms and doors. Yeah. Between them all. It was it was a style of the time. Mm-hmm. But I do think that God's ripping down religious walls right now. And part of that is it's almost like you can hear the father saying, like, who are you talking to? You know, this yeah. is me, you know. <laughs> Why wh- where did that language come from? You didn't talk to your wife that way. Um so yeah. uh to me it's really important to be transparent and to talk to God in our natural language. Yeah. And then as we pray in front of our kids to use that saying language, because otherwise kids learn kind of a religious style in their Mm -hmm. way of praying. And, um, it's okay to stumble over your words when you pray to to not to have a pause or, or to cry or to laugh or I, some, this may be really offend some people's religion, but even to have a little wordplay or jokes Built mm-hmm. into prayer, especially yeah. when you're with friends. Yeah, you know it, it's okay to do that. Yeah, um, uh, and I think I think God created us with a sense of humor. Not that we not that we would be making jokes about praying for abortion or something, but right. when we're praying for each other, or yeah, not
0: jokes, in, not coarse jokes, right, or not right. not idle language by any means, yeah. but well, sincere humor, occasional
1: pun or yeah. whatever, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pun, and yeah. Well, I mean, God <laughs> definitely has that all through. If we could read it in the Hebrew. We would be amazed, yeah, at how many of those things are in there, yeah. well, we don't see them at all today, but um, but that
0: yeah. does kick into a really interesting idea is that one, the way people right now in their life talk to God it it ought to be a revelation to them that that's where their relationship's at with him, exactly right, and you shouldn't feel condemned by it, but you should know that there's an invitation for it to be more intimate more relaxed, like just be yourself, Yeah, relax. And, and, um, and I think sometimes there's this hurdle of if I treat God in a familiar way, then it removes honor and it removes a certain fear of the Lord. So can you talk on that? Like, how do you maintain a fear of the Lord while also being very much comfortable with God and talking to him? Like he's your best friend.
1: Well, I think it comes from this position that we're in of having been adopted into the the royal family. so imagine that that you were um, Biden's son and talking to your dad, um, even though maybe that's not a great example but <laughs> but uh, um, just uh, let's use President Obama because he was an easy, easy guy, uh, very respectable in public and You know, he had young children at home and imagine them going and talking to their dad as they got older, um, maybe even thinking about uh, Trump's uh, son-in-law because he was on staff. So he had an official position. But when he's talking to, you know, his dad or his father-in-law, you know that he just talked to him normally. There were times for more formal talk when they were discussing policy or whatever, But um, just sitting around the dinner table, you know, they just talk like normal people. Yeah. And that's kind of who we are. We, uh, well, it's very much who we are. We are at once adopted. So we're literally sons and daughters of the living God. That's our primary identity, even more than kings and priests. Yeah. Okay. So that's our closest. That's like when uh, occasionally you'll hear um, a pastor's wife get up and she'll be talking about her husband and she'll call him pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, to me that's so weird. It, it's like, why didn't you call him? Uh, <laughs> I, I think your wife calls you Sam from the yeah. from the podium. But um, in some churches, they have that they're using a very formal title for their husband. Like, how strange is that? You know, how about just you know Ralph or whatever his name is uh, to refer to him as pastor? It's it's like it stuck this religious thing in there. Yeah, and sometimes we can pray that way with God. Remember, He is our Father, and He has known us. He created us in our mother's womb. You know, Psalm one thirty nine says, "You knew me when I was, you know, formed in my mother's womb. Yeah. You knew me. Mm-hmm. All right, so He already knows us. So who are we trying to impress with formal speech or whatever? Yeah, I mean, there there are times when uh, when you're really crying out for something or someone, and. Uh, there has to be more urgent speech or whatever, mm-hmm. but I, I'm just not seeing any, um, any reason for that. Even when I'm asked, I'm a, a chaplain with Metro and occasionally I get to ask, I get asked to speak or to pray to open some meeting or something. And even there, I try to keep it really conversational and mm-hmm. non-formal. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll write down what I want to pray just so I don't forget something important. But in my conversations, I'm still remembering, okay, I'm here in front of all these people, but, you know, who am I praying to? I'm not praying necessarily, all of them will hear me, Mm -hmm. but really what I'm doing is I'm interceding or I'm, I'm, you know, opening the meeting, but it's all about God, right? It's all about my father. Yeah. So I want to, I just want to say, father, you know, thank you so much that we're here today. Thank you for all these people, you know, wherever it is. Um, and just keep it as conversational that needs to be normalized in how we pray, uh, with our spouse, especially with our kids. So that they don't have that, that wall built in the house Mm -hmm. between them and God. They've got to understand that this is a relationship that is the most intimate in my life. Yeah. Now, if I don't have that intimate relationship, I need to work on it. Yeah. Okay. And and part of that is, is praying. You know, what do you do when you get in your prayer closet? How do you pray? Is it all silent? I think that's a mistake. I think we need to develop, and I really suck at this, but I am praying out loud. Is that okay to say on the podcast? Yes. Okay, yeah, all right. It's yeah. an acceptable word now. Yeah, all we'll, right. We'll okay. We'll
2: bleep it out. We're okay, good. all
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> oh you know what? Um, but uh um I'm not very good at this because I didn't develop the habit early on of of being a believer of praying out loud. Yeah, but it really helps you stay on track and you get used to vocalizing what's on your heart to yeah. God. So I think it's really really a good habit. And I think that's why Jesus says go into your closet or your room, shut the door. Yeah. Okay, so that the only one hearing you is God, but you develop that habit of of a going from your brain out through your mouth. Yeah. And um then when you pray with people, it doesn't feel weird. It it feels like okay, I'm primarily here talking to God. But my wife's here with me, or the kids, or you know other people in the church, or whatever it is. Yeah. But it it feels more natural yeah. if I've developed that habit in my prayer closet you of know, of really expressing what's on my. Are you even asking God like, what the heck is this? You know, what is this all about? Why why are we doing this? Why did this person say that? Or why is our country doing this? Or yeah, you know, what's going on in Afghanistan? Or you know, whatever it is, it's on yep. our heart. Yep. Um, so many things that that um, come up. Like we were watching the news, something really frustrates us. Oftentimes, I think that's Holy Spirit, like poking us to, like, "Hey, talk to me about
0: this." Yeah, when you're grieved by it. Yeah, yeah. So there's this conversational aspect to Jesus when you don't like something, you you don't agree, you're angry about something, you're bringing like mm-hmm. a, a a charged emotion in some way to Jesus and. And talking to him about it, trying to resolve it with him and working it out. I totally agree. Saying it out loud is, it's just a different dynamic. It is. Uh, you say anything out loud to anybody, it's a different dynamic. I know what my wife's thinking on some occasions and I can kind of see it. I can see mm-hmm. it on her face. But actually, it's not just about me knowing what she's thinking, which like God knows what we think, but it's actually when she tells me what she thinks, it accomplishes more than just my knowledge of her thoughts. Right. And she's able to, to feel something that I, and then see my face or my words respond to her thoughts. And if I do a good job in responding, then it, it, it deepens our connection and, and she feels appreciated or heard. And so there's a relationship deepening connection there when she actually says it out loud. And then I'm actually able to respond. She gets to feel it in a different way yeah and I think when we talk out loud to Jesus and then we allow him to to respond to us and and to speak to us and now I, when I hear from god i it's almost always through a particular thought process, a particular thought origin, if you may say, and when I hear from god it it's like my different kinds of thoughts I've learned to understand. The Bible talks about take each thought captive. And there's a certain part of meditating and thinking on what God's saying to you and hearing. Mm -hmm. And I want I want you to speak to a little bit what it looks like to to know what God's saying, how to hear God, Um, because there's like okay, so was that thought a God thought or was that my thought or was that
1: the enemy? Something
0: is something like a hybrid. Yeah, a little bit of me, a little bit of him. (laughs) So talk to talk to us about that process of you. Cause I'm sure now you've got it pretty, pretty developed
1: for a lot of your conversation with God,
0: but talk about how you got to that place and what that place looks like now.
1: Well, that's for me was a really long process. Yeah. Um,
0: me too. Still going uh, on it. Yeah. Well, me
1: too. <laughs> yeah. And um, one of the things that helps is by reading the word, and I would say, especially Proverbs, Proverbs is all about how you think. And so we get this amazing 31 chapters of how God thinks and sees things. And that's um, a friend of mine, Robert Douglas, uh, got me started reading uh, a chapter of Proverbs a day, every day. So every month you'd read the whole book of Proverbs. So every time you'd read it 12 times a year. And I did that for about 12 years. So I I got through it a few times. Okay. And that the, the way that... God's thinking is expressed in Proverbs, you can't help but get it in there. So when you have a thought, if it's not from God, you kind of, you've kind of got a standard there of, yeah, I don't think God thinks that way. But likewise, God will drop stuff into Mm -hmm. your thoughts. And, um, you know, a lot of times we say, well, God's speaking to me. And of course he is. But what he's doing is he's actually speaking like his brain and his heart to our brain and our heart. Yep. And it's so much more efficient even than talking- mm-hmm. um because he's able to express mm-hmm. to our very hearts and minds what he's thinking and feeling like in an instant yep um like uh
0: like a picture's like a thousand words, God speaking to us is magnificently yeah. efficient
1: it is, it's amazing, and you can have these amazing uh discussions with God without even hardly any words. Here, I just said, you know, pray out loud, but sometimes it's, it's happening in a level above that.
0: Yeah. Um, Especially the listening part.
1: Yeah. 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 Like I was, I, I cheered with you a couple of weeks ago. I was praying about Afghanistan mm-hmm. um, after Kabul fell about a month ago. I was kind of frustrated. You know, I'm kind of the age now where, you know, I've seen Vietnam. I was born kind of during the Korea thing. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've been a few other places along the way. Yeah. Um, since then. And, and now we're more pulling out of Afghanistan. I was, you know, it, it felt like a big defeat to me yeah. for our country. Yeah. And yet I knew people were over there um, with with pretty good intentions. So I, I was just I was just expressing my I was like, God, I'm I'm so frustrated with this, you know, and trying not to be just frustrated with the president and the administration, but just like where we're at. Yeah. And, you know, here we are another defeat. And and God like interrupted my thinking mm. right in the middle of it. It says, Steve, I, I see this way different than you do. Yeah. You're not seeing it with my eyes. Mm. I'm like, so, okay, <laughs> what does that look like? You know, I mean, it, it, it was so abrupt. It, um, not that it was being disrespectful, but yeah. it was like, okay, if I'm not thinking right, then how am I supposed to be thinking? And, yeah. and I don't want to share all that here because I don't want to take up the time, but essentially he just said, I've been using your country to seed into Afghanistan for the last 20 years. Yeah. And I was like, holy smokes. Yeah. Yeah. I've not seen that at all. Yeah. And then he took me down. He began to remind me of like what happened in China, what happened in North Korea or in South Korea and how they're an economic powerhouse now, how the gospel took off once all the missionaries were kicked out. Yeah. So, you know, I probably sat there for half an hour just going around and around with God about, well, what about this? and and he'd, he'd say, "Well, well, look what's happening here," and and he would even ask me questions. Like one of the questions he asked me, "So where's Vietnam now?" And I'm like, "Well, they're doing really well. They're like a, an economic uh, powerhouse in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still more to go." He goes, "Hmm." And your country was there. How long, you know? Yeah. And so he was he was kind of reasoning with me. Mm-hmm. And so when the when God says in the in the scriptures, "Come, let us reason together," yeah. I'm like, oh, he's doing it with, you yeah. <laughs> know. Like, this is happening to me right now. That's yeah, exactly <laughs> right. But um, a couple of the guys that I minister to are former Afghani vets, Afghanistan mm-hmm. vets. Mm-hmm. And one guy was even saying some of his friends uh, that were in the service with him there were throwing away their medals. I was just like, mm. God, can't let these men do that. If they could, If they could see that they've been part of what you're seeding into that wow. country. Yeah makes a huge difference huge difference yeah it's just so anyway that's um but not everything is that dramatic a lot of it's just daily life stuff yep but also i think um one of the things that, that god taught us my wife and i um early on was to be involved in the lives of other people through our prayer yeah and it makes your life bigger um because now it's not just yep uh, my little family of four people. Yep. You know, and God help us not to get in a car crash today or whatever. Um, but you know, as as people were having trouble with their marriages, um different churches we've been in have really struggled along the way or had struggles. And we began to really pray and try to say, "Father, what's your, what's your heart for this couple or what's your heart for this church and uh, what's your heart for the country?" God, we see what the news says, but what what's happening in third heaven? Yeah, you know it's really getting beyond that earthly perspective, and once we start seeing things from God's perspective, it's it's so much different uh, than what we see on the five o'clock news. Yeah, uh, things that seem disastrous to us, um, oftentimes God's not worried about it at all, and and vice versa. Things that that um, people are even celebrating on TV, and God's grieved over. Yeah. So even things that don't outwardly seem I guess, bad uh, when you hear about them or read about them. Um, it's good to take those like, God, I, okay, I see people are celebrating this. How do you feel about that? Yep. And again, we've got the rails of the word to kind of keep our thinking in line with, with how God thinks and what things bother him. What things does he love? What things does he detest? Um, always through the the filter of grace and mercy, though.
0: Yeah. That's really good. The, the Bible says, my sheep know my voice. And, and God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when it comes to discerning whether or not that thought is a God thought, it appears that knowing what his word says is a, a super important part of it. Because when you read Proverbs, you start seeing like, okay, this is, this is how God talks, or to a degree what he says and how, he, how it feels, okay. You start to understand the author. You start to understand the spirit of God through his the written word. And then all of a sudden you get thoughts that show up in your time of prayer. And mm-hmm. you're like, same source code, right. same source code. I ju- it just struck me, same source code. And I would encourage you, especially early on, always go back in the word and find matching scripture for it. Yeah. And I say early yep. on, because as you mature and grow in your understanding of the word, you won't have to. "Quote unquote," go back and look for it in scripture. You'll go, "Oh, I know that scripture." "Oh, I know that scripture," and you'll begin to point to things you've known and studied and measured and memorized, and it'll become very proficient, you know, for you. And it's weird to call talking to Jesus proficient. It's more like our check system, our mm-hmm. our accountability, and and man, it gets easy to convolute. What it's almost God's like error saying. checking
1: built in. Totally,
0: and I would recommend <laughs> anybody at every age to to be really, um, committed to the error checking because, you know, even the elect can be deceived it says in the word. And so there is a, a, an awareness for me that no matter how quote unquote elect I get or mature I get, it shouldn't stop me from prying open the word and prying my life in yieldedness to that standard. But I think there's something really important in somebody being able to know, like, okay, my thought, I can, I can know when it's a God thought, Mm -hmm. when he's speaking to me through my thoughts. And it's, it's a very much a possible place. And it sounds a little bit like a cliche to say, you know, study your word and you'll know when he's speaking to you.
1: And, And the great thing about the word is it covers such a broad range of human experience. Yeah. I mean, literally thousands of people have lived and died and God's chosen to show us about their lives uh, and people that don't didn't even belong to them that weren't in covenant with them, we have their stories in there too. Yeah. Um, but let's let's take our nation. You know, we uh, we may watch the news and be frustrated with what's going on in the nation. Well, when we read, say, First Samuel through um, like Second Chronicles, that whole history of Israel. Yep. And how God dealt with nations. Yep. And dealt with leaders. Yep. What did he speak to them? How did he deal with them? Yep. Uh, what things were justified? What things ticked him off? What things pleased him? Okay. So that's really we've got good. a whole section of the Bible. Some people are like, well, you know, that's all history about Israel. Why do we need to know that? Because it's always personal with God. Mm-hmm. He's always dealing with people. Yep. And how he dealt with them, then it gets in our thinking of, well, this is how God deals with nations. Yep. Okay. So how can I apply that when I, when I feel frustration about our country or what's going on, um, what is an example? That is really good. Go back and search. Is there an example in the Bible that can speak to uh, what we're dealing with right now? Yeah. You know, and it's amazing. That's where this crazy large number of sampling of lives uh, through the hall of the Bible, um, you know, even to the point of, of, God gives us Song of Solomon, you know, Solomon with one of his wives and the intimate relations they had and how they yeah. felt about each other. Mm-hmm. And then we start thinking about, oh, maybe that's <laughs> how God feels about me. Yeah. That's pretty personal in there. Yep. <laughs> <Okay>. Very <laughs> so, much so. And um, even
0: Ecclesiastes. Oh, yeah. It's- there's Ecclesi- these moments where we don't necessarily see the value on what God has said in the Bible because it doesn't touch on our personal life mm-hmm. at that moment. Mm-hmm. But then you hit a personal life moment where you're like, oh, I get Ecclesiastes now. I get this Yeah, Job's another one.
1: Those are two really kind of under, not underrated, because obviously they're in the Word of God, but underread maybe. Mm -hmm. Because they're a little bit hard to understand because they don't fit in our religious boxes that we've made for everything. Totally, for sure. got we got Job sitting there for days. I mean, his three friends came to commiserate with him. They didn't even say anything for a week. You know, everybody's sitting there in sackcloth and ashes just looking around, I guess. I don't know what what they were doing. They didn't even say anything for days. Um, And sometimes we do go through uh, incredibly miserable experiences in our life. And But here's a guy, Job, you know, well he he had similar experience, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of us have lost all of our stuff in a day, but um and none of us also got it all back either <laughs> so um and ecclesiastes to me is amazing it's it, we've I've just been studying it with a friend again and it's like solomon you know we see a guy whose life kind of went off the rails he started out really good yep. didn't finish well yeah um and where that not finishing well led his life and his, his road of thinking yeah. And he still couldn't quite get away from it. was really good uh, in the end to follow God, but, but it's sort of, you know, that's kind of where he ended <laughs> up. And he kept saying meaningless meaning. Everything is meaningless. Nothing means anything. So he's, he's searching literally for the meaning, the purpose of life. Yeah. And he was having a hard time getting there. Yeah. Even though he had been maybe the most brilliant man that ever lived. But I
0: loved in it that he clearly saw the lack of meaning on things that most put meaning on.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I love these bold statements of like, ah, meaningless. Yep. And if you're reading it and you put meaning on all these things, you're like, you're, your mind's resisting it. And it's so good to, to have that clash happen while you're reading the word. And you're like, wait, because there's certain things that God is saying to us and speaking to us while we're talking that we are we have a deafness on. We have a blind spot yeah. on. We yeah. have a blindness and we can't see and hear it. And I love it when I get to read things in the scriptures that that challenge me in a way that my my body and my mind want to resist it. Want to say no. Like when I read the other day, love covers a multitude of sins, which i read a ton. I love that scripture. I quote it all the time. And I felt my, my heart wanting to resist it. Be like, no, that's not right. And I was like, wow, that's so good for me to... Feel that you know, mm-hmm. and to wrestle with that, and why am I wrestling with it and repenting and and talking to God about it, because there's this reality that life has a way of of impacting us that if you're really good with God yesterday the the reason we pick up our cross daily is because we had experiences that touched on us, mm-hmm. influenced us, invited us so hardness of heart or an unforgiveness place or an anger place or an injustice wrestle or, or whatever it may be for their life, but in allowing God's word to, to go there, which is something you were talking about when you're like, okay, what's happening with our nation? What about Samuel? And all the way through Chronicles, look at what God did with nations. And a lot of times people ask the question of what is the, where should I read? I I read and it's very stale for me. It's like, I don't connect to it. And I've always thought, man, it's just so simple. What are you dealing with in your life? And then find it in the word. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it's selfish. It sounds like it's too practical and it's not spiritual, but you know, don't start at the beginning because a book usually starts at the beginning and runs through the end. You know, the, there's a lot of ways people approach the Bible that make it a, an awkward start. Right. But start where it is most emotionally relevant for you. Yeah. I is think, my I think so
1: <laughs> Also, we're not Jewish. Um, so, and we don't speak ancient Hebrew. And we're not—we haven't been taught to think like uh, Eastern thinking, Middle Eastern thinking yeah. at all. So a lot of times, I think people kind of disconnect from the Old Testament because it's translated from the ancient Hebrew, right? And a lot of the thinking is very much, um, well, almost completely, you know, Middle Eastern thought. Yeah, and it's set up very different from our Western kind of Greek point of view. Yeah. Um which one, the Old
0: Testament would be Hebrew based, New yeah. Testament, Greek based, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And even Greek it has its own challenges. But But it's uh,
0: more similar to m- probably the way we our think. interpretive. Yeah. Our mindsets. our system
1: of logic yep. is based on Greek, goes back to yeah. Greek. Yeah. Just for
0: those listening, that would be like, what's he talking yeah, about? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to to run away from you there, but just we got to realize that the whole Old Testament was written to people of a Middle Eastern mindset. And if Which you, if
0: you had to summarize why that's different. What would your summary be in reading the old Testament and everything different?
1: Uh, Hebrew mindset assumes kind of makes the assumption that God is period. Okay. It's sort of like, like stitched into you, hardwired into your consciousness Mm. and that everything flows out from that where Greek, I don't know if this is, I'm probably not doing it justice, but Greek thinking is more what we consider logic based, yeah, deductive, deductive it's reasoning. proofs, yeah, mm-hmm, right, arguments. Right. Where in in Hebrew thinking, it's just it, it's God is, and, yeah, yeah, and and just His relationship with us too. It's extremely relational, uh, and um, people in the the Far East and Asia, especially, are taught to think communally. So we as Westerners we're taught to mm-hmm. think, well, how. Uh, like the individual. Yeah. How, yeah. how will, what will be the consequences to me if I do this, mm-hmm. but in more Middle Eastern thinking, what will be the consequences to my family or community? Yeah. And so it's, it's very much, uh, more connected thinking to yep. the community.
0: Yep. That's really, really good. And the God is that when Jesus said, I am, there's this very real potent statement there. And it's actually really hard, I think, for people to kind of dive deep on the, I am statement. Mm-hmm. But it is profound.
1: It is incredibly profound. When you're thinking
0: about like abiding in God and you're thinking about this intimate relationship with him, it starts to really change the way you even think about talking to him. This is like gets really, really deep, but this gets into even how he shapes and forms you and how you relate to him. When you think of God as the, as the I am standard, that you're living with and that you're connected to, and that you have covenant relationship with, it changes a lot of how you see yourself in the world.
1: Yeah. And there's one other, speaking of that, there's, there's like one other part of this we've kind of been neglectful in our prayer discussion. That is the role of the Holy Spirit yeah. in prayer, because God has chosen to live inside of us. Mm-hmm. Once we receive Jesus, we accept his sacrifice on the cross, repent of our sins. We invite him in. Uh, well, he comes in, in the form of the Holy Spirit, an actual yeah. person. Yeah. Of the Godhead, so God has chosen to live inside of us, and of course, we were built for this. You know, mm-hmm. as humans, we're built to have God living inside of us.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but prior to that, we're we're spiritually um, inept, at the very least. It, some would say even spiritually dead, mm-hmm. until His Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about hearing from God, uh, that is all facilitated by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he is a separate person of the Trinity. It's one of those those kind of hard things to understand. Yeah, because uh, we got God the Father, we got Jesus. Okay, I can relate to Jesus. He was a man. <laughs> he he walked man. on the earth. Okay, um, we kind of we kind of can dig on the Holy Spirit because uh, <laughs> he came at Pentecost in this form. But then he he is so intimate to us that uh, oftentimes his thoughts feel like ours. Mm. Um, But when you're talking about um, God revealing things to us or like poking us on things that aren't from him, it's really the Holy Spirit, the enforcer, you know, (laughs) uh, he's kind of the one uh, poking us in the ribs or on the chest or, you know, dope slapping us or whatever it needs to be.
0: Dope slapping. Yeah, (laughs)
1: Um, And it hardly ever does that. That's only when we've been either incredibly deaf or resistant to what Holy Spirit usually you know, Holy Spirit will come and say, why are you doing that?
0: Well, and I, and I found that it's when there is a, uh, almost an invitation for Holy Spirit to do that to us. Like, just wake me up, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like if I am, da, da da then go for it. You dope slap me yeah. I mean, <laughs> really? in quotations, of course, yeah. but you, you know, you, you, you confront me. Yes. Confront me directly, please, yeah. because I want that. It's a, it's very much permission stuff to me. With Holy Spirit. It's like permission to come in, permission mm-hmm. to confront me directly, <laughs> permission to speak really bluntly through others in my life. Right. Like, go for it. Yeah. Yep. Like, wow. Okay. Yeah, but that's always
1: I think always he wants us, just like when we have our own kids, when we see them doing something that's not right, um, we just say, Hey, you know, Fred, don't do that or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and they kind of look at us and then see if we're really serious about not having them, you know, yep. that whole resistance thing. Yep. But uh hopefully as our kids grow up, you say, Hey Fred, don't do that. He's like, Okay, you know. Yeah. Um, hopefully we progress through that. But as as we continue to resist Holy Spirit or, or just like act like we don't hear or we don't hear, um, he turns up the volume. Yeah. But he's so gracious to us. It's it's so amazing to me how patient holy spirit is with us he's like day after day he's like this again okay you know Mm. um but if it's not causing damage to the kingdom it's almost like i don't know if this is the right way to say it. but it's almost like he he could be very patient with us like yeah if this isn't screwing your marriage up we'll just you know when you're ready we'll get this straightened out yeah we'll get to it but if it's damaging others then i think he uh dope slaps us or whatever it is. Urgency goes up for yeah, sure. But I mean we can we can totally mess up our family too. Yeah. Um if we if we continue in our um disobedience, you yeah. know. Um there's a, a great proverb talks about the man who remains stiff necked after many rebukes will be cut off suddenly without remedy. Mm. And I was like, Jesus, don't let me get there, <laughs> you know? Don't let me be resistant to that point. But it's that, again, God reveals the way he thinks mm-hmm. that there is a point where you will be cut off. It doesn't mean like cut off, like lose your salvation, but Holy Spirit's like, if you really want to do that, uh, I'm going to let you run down that road, but there will be consequences. Yeah. You know, and, and I've had to live out a few of those things, you know. Yeah, me too. They've caught up with me later on. Yeah, me too, And for sure. But whenever we're praying, we're talking to the Father, Holy Spirit's like right smack in the middle of that and and even giving us thoughts and especially when we're praying for people you know he's introducing new words new thoughts he's retrieving from our memory banks proverbs or different scriptures that we've memorized Mm -hmm. it's all going through um this amazing relationship with holy spirit Mm -hmm. and um you know the things that he'll reveal and sometimes i think he almost reveals things that where he's it's almost like he's saying about the father in third person, this is the father's heart. Yeah. You know, sometimes we know from the father, the father's speaking to us mm-hmm. saying, this is my heart. But other times it's almost like we sense Holy Spirit says, you should pray this. This is the father's heart. Yeah. It, it's it's that, how can there be three in one? They each have personalities. They mm-hmm. all agree and get along. And, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. um, and even when we, we kind of get a little bit of insight of that, when we see Jesus talking about how important yeah. it is yeah. that he sends the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah. And he calls him our helper. The Comforter. Whole, yeah. And the other aspects it talks about He'll be a seal. Mm-hmm. He'll write upon our hearts mm, and he'll yeah. teach us so no one else yeah. will have to. And there, yeah. there's these very interesting, if you study like the psychology of what that really means for him to like write on your heart, for him to be a seal there's a irremovable fabric shifting aspect of your consciousness that is pretty interesting and amazing to me. And it kicks into like how God actually changes you and it's impactful.
1: Another great thing going back to prayer is God changes us through our prayers. Yeah. Oh, so much. Yeah, You know, that day in day out being with him and praying things that we hadn't even intended to pray. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden we find out that things that, um were on his heart or on our heart. Um I was leading a a worship thing at ICLV one time, not worship, uh intercessory group. And um it's it's long been on my heart for um the the rift in our country between black and white people. Mm -hmm. And um I hadn't really even planned on praying it. But all of a sudden um I felt like Jesus said through the Holy Spirit, I want you to feel about this the way that I feel and it was just like my heart was almost ripped out of my chest yeah and all I could do was weep i had to hand off leadership of the meeting to somebody else yeah i literally just laid on the floor and wept for like 40 minutes
3: yeah.
1: that doesn't happen all the time no but it it's one of those things that god can do intimately with us because he knew for what he had it forward for me i had to understand how he felt about this yep and there was no Reading it in the word wasn't gonna get it. Yep. You know, and it was so specific and uh so profound and it, it really changed me as a person. Yep. Um, and he's done that a couple of other times in in other things. Man, um, and we don't need to get off onto that, but but god the,
0: but god, god feels and he wants to invite us to feel the way he does.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're to be he put us on this earth earth to be his imagers, yeah. to carry his image. Imagers. Both male and female
0: that's great i've never used that phrase that's really good um
1: and so we're supposed to look i'm
0: gonna i'm gonna use like, that phrase. Yeah, that's well, a fantastic, it's not even
1: uh robert heisler is the one that that coined that phrase i think but uh, that's awesome
0: good job heisler yeah, yeah Heisler. heisler that's great
1: h-e-i-s-l-e-r
0: imagers that is great yeah. love that so
1: um that's who he's shaping us into be yeah and it doesn't mind if it takes him 40 years or fifty yeah, years, so six years. He's, to so get
0: there. he's so patient. He's so patient. He is amazingly
1: so cool. patient. Of course, he's got got us for all of it. He's, he's got clarity. a lot of time. <laughs> he does. He does, and <laughs> and so we get so frustrated. When we're not getting it sometimes, and he's like, "Don't worry about it. I still got
0: you. I got you." Yeah. That's so cool. Well, Steve, thank you so much for sure for joining, being on your wisdom as usual is cherished. It really is. Love it so much, and hopefully, this was helpful for you and your family. Uh, to learn and also to hear discussion life experience scripture on uh, what it looks like to talk to God to hear from God and some of the the ingredients or scriptures that point to the belief that what to do with your insecurity what to do with your um, some of your fear and or or hate and unforgiveness so hopefully this was helpful we love you guys and if you have any questions or you just want to comment you can uh, and tell us about this. Uh, We're doing eight studies to partner with your families to grow. Uh, uh, See you next time and love you guys. Thank you for listening to The Mountain Podcast. The Mountain Church is located in Las Vegas, Nevada, with services happening every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you'd like to know more about The Mountain Church, please visit us at themtnchurch.com or watch one of our services on YouTube. Again, thank you for tuning in.